The following is a conversation between Stephen McCloskey of Nano and Professor Zoran Radic of UC San Diego. Professor Radic was one of the first users of the VR macromolecular visualization software, Nano, and has used the scientific metaverse for research and teaching, including collaborations with other research institutions such as Oak Ridge National Labs. Welcome. Thanks Hi, for joining us today. So, you. Uh, yeah, you know, um, we're in virtual reality right now. Um, you know, we have you know, your avatar in front of me, uh, my avatar in front of you. And then uh, we have one of your students, Veronica, behind us. So. Hi. Yeah, hi, Veronica. So, cool. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, to invite you here to you know, tell the people a little bit more about you know, your journey, both as a, as a scientist, um, sort of you know, how you found your path to all the 3D stuff that you know, I've seen in your office before you got into all the virtual reality that you do now. Um, and, and yeah, just hear a little bit more about how you're using Nanome and, and uh, how it's been impactful in your research and your teaching. Um, but yeah, just, you know, I'll, I'll give you the floor. And, and throughout all this, you know, if we wanted to pull up some structures, we could, um, yeah, just, just let me know and, and we could start going into that too. Sure. Uh, thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting us to share our experience. Uh, for myself, I can say that uh, um, by being a, a chemist uh, uh, early on, uh, already as a student of chemistry at the uh, Faculty of Science, I happened to uh, get in contact with some uh, a, a, a structural formula of simple compounds and then uh, even after that uh, a proteins, little larger molecules. That um, At that time uh, it was difficult for me to visualize uh, uh, in three-dimensional format. So that was like 1970s, a long time ago. Okay. And uh, the best way to represent three-dimensional features were side-by-side -side stereo images. Believe it or not, some textbooks at that time already had quite a few side-by-side -side stereo st uh, I, I, representations. Like you had to like, like cross your eyes for the, the cross views? Yeah. So yes. Kind of yes. Yeah. Yep. So, so some people needed to use uh, uh, special glasses. Uh, I was so interested that I trained my eyes to cross. And so I was able to go to library, open book, and then see actual protein fold in three dimensions. So that, I was really impressed by that. And uh, that was uh, very early on. I, I was uh, really impressed how uh, different and the functionally important uh, uh, three-dimensional representations are especially for catalytically active proteins, enzymes, where one has to find particular spot in the protein structure that uh, accepts uh, smaller molecules and mm -hmm. um, acts on them. So that was my first uh, uh, contact with three-dimensional context. Uh, contact. Uh, uh, the Later on, uh, I, I was able to come as a postdoc, actually already as graduate student here to University of California in San Diego, and then work on some kinetics of enzyme 
action of particular enzyme acetylcholinesterase and uh, work on mechanisms of uh, catalysis and interaction with ligands. So all of that involves uh, uh, a structural a component where one has to visualize or imagine at that time how would small molecule interact with this uh, uh, receptor, with this enzyme, in order to uh, block its activity, for example, or how once activity of enzyme is covalently blocked, how antidotes could approach that uh, inhibited co uh, conjugate and recover activity. So in, in, in this kinetic work, uh, developing kinetic mechanisms based on uh, kinetic analy analysis, uh, uh, one always had to keep in mind structural background. And so when I returned to UCSD as a postdoc in 1990, at that time, computers developed sufficiently that uh, one of uh, uh, companies here, Silicon Graphics, uh, started producing those uh, 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 compute uh, visualization workstations that allowed for three-dimensional viewing of protein structures. Of course, at that time, that was limited computer um, uh, uh, CPU capacity and GPU uh, was really uh, small, so one could barely display a line representation of uh, of uh, a protein of the size of. Um, <laughs> For example, uh, albumin or um, uh, uh, relatively small proteins. But then, as uh, uh, so, that was 1990s. Um, uh, as their software developed and uh, hardware, uh, okay, uh, eventually uh, one was able to display surface. Well, that was something to be able to see a contiguous surface of protein and then cavities where um, a small ligands bind um, but I, still I'm gonna, um, gonna pull this up and and, and just kind of sure. you know for the the vr users and, and say so i mean so this was a highly specialized machine right the silicon graphics um these were used on like what movie sets and like um you know modeling jet aircraft <clears throat> and so it was like all these highly specialized industries you know this was their first foray into like having legitimate you know pseudo 3d graphics um, yeah, being able to have a 2D monitor and, and rotate things around and, and see it in 3D. Um, but you were saying so. So just the the line structure. So are we talking about ribbon as well, like the cartoon no, view? Or no, no. Oh, even before ribbon. So yeah, let's uh, uh, yeah, let's yeah, put here, let's, uh, let's, take let's, ribbon uh, off like coil. Uh, no, no. Uh, like this. <laughs> okay, let me let me try. Uh, uh, I'll steal uh, presenter. Uh, yeah, here, let me, if, let me give will you presenter. I, will yeah, that yeah, go for okay. it? Okay, no, the special recording will still be happening. Okay, so so what what uh, I'll hide the ribbon and display wire. So this is a representation oh, okay. just, that just one was pure, able. Yeah. But that was already a lot because one was able to rotate it in the screen. And uh, imagine uh, where particular substrate or inhibitor could attach inside uh, of that larger molecule. But of course, so, so uh, he had this simple wire view where you know uh, all the atoms and bonds are just you know really simple, like chicken wire uh, connected to each other, and you don't have the secondary structure, you don't have the 
uh, atoms and, and you don't have the van der Waals radius or any surfaces at all. So this was just super simple. But back in the day, you, you were blown away, right? Or, or what was That's your right. um, interpretation of, of that tech at that time? That's right. And that helped us actually really a lot when uh, at the time, uh, that was 1990s, we were trying to um, divide, to, to, to uh, resolve uh, uh, molecular, uh, the structural basis for uh, specificity of particular enzyme and uh, for substrate specificity. And uh, molecular uh, structural background uh, was actually um, a volume of active center and how particular loop in in the structure was uh, restricting uh, larger ligands from accessing and by uh, binding into that active center so we were able already uh, using this chicken wire model uh, to imagine what parts of uh, structure were responsible what loop particular loop and side chains initially we had only backbone and then we had to imagine uh, a direction where side chains were uh, pointing at and uh, th there happened to be two phenylalanines in that particular loop that restricted side volume of the active center and uh, that actually did not allow larger substrates to bind. So then we did mutagenesis, uh, replaced those phenylalanines with alanines, and it was confirmed. So, so uh, it it worked, but it was it took some time. It took a, it took uh, you know weeks uh, uh, by looking at this kind of representation to figure out what was actually going on at the uh, atomic level in the structure. And uh, um, then, uh, little by little, uh, it was possible to uh, display surfaces, but uh, even with those specialized workstations, it took like minutes. You would mm. click on display surface, so select particular um, structure and go to display and choose surface and then here show surface there there it is it pops up instantaneously but we had to sit in front of workstation and wait for four or five minutes for this representation to pop up uh, yeah, we okay the, uh, a, a gpu based algorithm on the pc and so it's actually extremely quick for us um so quick you could actually generate these on the fly um, so that right. if you play back a like trajectory of molecular dynamics, uh, we could actually generate the surfaces so quickly that you could just have a new surface every frame. Refresh. Uh, that, the, that's really yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> on standalone, not so much. Um, it does still take uh, several seconds. So you know we, we've improved right. it from several minutes, but also you know this uh, chip is you know made for a phone and happens to run you know this full VR experience. Right, right. But uh, yeah, the min miniaturization and, and the GPU capacity is really uh, uh, evolving. Uh, yeah. So, but uh, then, of course, one, one was still restricted at that time to two-dimensional medium. That was a computer mm -hmm. screen, even though one had to put uh, 3D glasses. Those were synchronized with emitters and those polarized active stereo glasses. 
what what improvement was uh, uh, comparing to side by side stereo, for example, that uh, one was able to stand in front of a computer screen as if uh, one was standing in front of window, and then mm-hmm. inside computer. Uh, screen, there was uh, a space, there was volume, this three-dimensional space, but one was not able to enter that space. Mm-hmm. One was able you, to you observe. You could see the 3D window, but you, you couldn't yeah. get inside of it and you couldn't reach out your hands, but but you still had that window. And that was your, your right. first big glimpse into, into the 3D world. And yeah. was that... um. Was that was that on like CRT monitors at the time? Like this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. those huge, uh, uh, large uh, uh, CRT tube uh, monitors, yeah. uh, and uh, of course, the bigger monitor, the better impression. So we had those uh, 23, 24 inch. Th- those were really huge. <laughs> wow. Yeah, those were huge uh, for CRT. The time. Yeah, I remember, um, I don't know, what did we have, like an 18-inch CRT, and like that was like the big one compared to everyone else, like these 12 or 15-inch monitors, and like that was just how people did computers back then. Um, right. Man, yeah, those, those cathode, cathode ray tube computers are, are huge. Um, some people yeah. like them for paying, playing like old retro video games um, with the way that they kind of um, morph the pixels together. Uh, compared to the yeah. current model, but um, yeah, no, that was um, quite the uh, primitive 3D setup that you had. But I, I'm, I'm sure it worked for some stuff, and, and you got some pretty good insights out of that 3D setup. Or, or how was your experience? With yeah, that? well, th- it was uh, good for two things: one, for individual research. Uh, so I would sit in front of that computer for e- hours and hours. On in the evenings and uh, enjoy structure, try to figure out what's going on. And then for showing visitors. So visitors would come from colleagues from other universities on that were not so fortunate to, uh, to have that kind of setup. And then uh, I would show them, okay, this is our molecule and this is our new uh, antidote that we are designing. And then uh, the uh, most frequent uh, response was that they would put their finger, you know, they would try to reach into the the screen, into that, through the window. And so my screen was all dirty from <laughs> fingerprints of people <laughs> who were trying to get into that uh, three-dimensional uh, oh, space cool, inside. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it, it was really impressive, and uh, some I know that some people at uh, some institutions uh, abroad used uh, the, those setups to impress investors, and they would bring them and show them molecules in 3D, and they were all impressed. Oh, then we'll fund your research because it is so advanced, and you're using technology that is. Um, very uh, useful for for uh, what you do, um, and maybe but, the investors uh, and funders could see it a bit better, and they're like, "Oh, you know, this drug binds right into this pocket, and like that actually makes a lot of sense." And oh, you want to optimize it for further research? Like, okay, I understand what you're doing. You know, it seems like, yeah, um, yeah there's still a pretty big gap in like scientific communication, but obviously having the 3D layer 
um, adds to a lot of that. Yes, we have to remember that was a time before 3D movies, uh, before 3D Mm. um, entered uh, a broad audience of... uh, and applications. So uh, well, in the eighties, they had the, uh, the the blue and red, right? wasn't Wasn't that a yeah? There thing? were some initial. There were some initial um, uh, projects. Uh, Anaglymph Stereo, this cyan and uh, uh, red, uh, mm-hmm. and that did work to some extent. Uh, that that for for uh, uh, molecular applications, one can uh, make it work nicely. Um, for uh, movies and for um, more complex visualization where one wants to color code molecules, that's a little more difficult because uh, a choice of uh, different shades uh, and colors is restricted. So it is more difficult to present uh, scientific content so that it is very uh, easy to follow or that it is, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that's the uh, one, one additional uh, feature of um, uh, advanced uh, visualization, uh, reducing time of perception uh, of the content in order to uh, uh, accelerate the research. Actually, so so that's uh, that was that were beginnings, and then when I figured out that the headsets and VR concept. Um, uh, uh, appeared in the market and actually my first contact was through uh, some uh, photographs believe it or not um, of uh, his majesty uh, king of sweden uh, uh, having a headset uh, uh, first the prototypes of oculus uh, vr headsets on and then he was looking at something and there was a person standing next to him uh, that uh, i was familiar with a colleague of uh, ours uh, jonas bostrom uh, yeah. Swedish Swedish uh, a chemist, uh, and uh, he, uh, to my knowledge, was one of the first to develop software for molecular visualization in VR. So that, uh, when I uh, read about that and heard about that, I was impressed. And then, uh, as soon as I was able to get a three-dimensional computer, I mean a VR-ready computer, and uh, one of uh, it was very early when. Uh, uh, Oculus started producing a Rift. Uh, then uh, I got in contact with uh, Jonas and asked him whether I could use his prototype software. I never, unfortunately, managed to implement in my computer. I'm not so computer um, proficient, in, or I was not sufficiently proficient to actually implement his software in my machine. But then, luckily, um, in one of student uh, uh, gatherings here at UCSD, somehow I uh, someone took my fo- photo of myself with the headset on. Uh-huh. And that that was a, a critical moment because uh, you noticed that photo in uh, uh, one of media where they put it, Twitter yeah, or somewhere. Yeah. And uh, then uh, sent me email, and uh, that's how our contact started. And then uh, you already at that time had prototype software that you developed for other customers. 
for VR uh, molecular visualization. So uh, uh, you invited me to your uh, area in uh, Kelaiti too. It was um, here at UCSD. And uh, I was really impressed. I was really impressed, and that's how uh, how it all, all started for me, uh, virtual reality. And then it was really, you were really a very, very um, um, kind and um, uh, forthcoming. And uh, I, pro I remember I provided you with coordinates of uh, mm -hmm. acetylcholinesterase, and then you generated set of... Uh, uh, visualizations. Uh, it was all, of course, uh, uh, much more uh, 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 um, uh, difficult to to generate those files, uh, time consuming, and uh, but uh, it, it, it was very early days. Yes, but uh, it it changed my perspective of the molecule significantly, and uh, uh, from that point on. Um, uh, I, I started complaining about software. Now you have to make it, um, you know, able to display side chains and to change uh, color and to add uh, uh, labeling and uh, to add another representation. And uh, I, I hope uh, that that uh, was beneficial for both you and other users. And from that point on, I had many, many versions of uh, Nanome installed in my computers, and each one was improved. It was better. Uh, and uh, right now, and I'm really impressed. Things, right? All yeah, the, colorful. All the stuff that you've been asking for it's, for all these years. <laughs> that's right. And so uh, uh, there, there are so many, and what I'm really impressed now is these uh, standalone headsets, Oculus mm -hmm. Quest and uh, alternative uh, alternatives that, um, in spite of relatively simple hardware, uh, are becoming, um, I'm really impressed by the computing power and how much visualization but also computational capacity they have. Now, obviously, they, they connect to servers and so on, but uh, they're becoming extremely useful uh, for what we do, and uh, both in uh, education, in teaching, and in um, research. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I think your feedback has been extremely valuable and, um, you know, helping us along the journey. Obviously, we've been working with other you know, pharmaceutical companies and, and biotechs and other people. But, you know, in those early days, you know, we were at UC San Diego, you were at UC San Diego. Um, it was just really nice to invite you over to our office, show you the newest, you know, prototype build, um, get the, you know, immediate feedback on how we can improve it. Um, you know, now our, our process is quarterly, we have these updates and, you know, you get it deployed and you, know, you can kind of see all the new stuff. But back then it was like every week we would you know, be chatting and, and kind of showing you the latest new stuff. Um, but yeah, all of that was, was really helpful um, in, in terms of just making the product better and better and better. And I don't know how many versions we had before our official like, you know, Nano 1.0 type of release. Um, but that was a few years ago that we released 1.0. And so there was like years of prototypes different get to 1.0. And now we're at version 1.23. So we've done, you know, 23 of these, you know, each one has been pretty beefy. You know, these have been pretty big updates for the most part. Uh, a couple small ones worked in there. But yeah, um, 
so your experience has been positive then <laughs> extremely positive extremely positive um, and uh, um, obviously somehow uh, this uh, uh, interaction uh, had a positive uh, effect on both uh, your side and, and my side because uh, the turnaround of new uh, of improvements was really impressive uh, from my perception from from user perception and uh, really uh, not only the uh, how fast but also how responsive uh, the your your guys in implementing those uh, improvements were so it, it was really something that i enjoyed a lot thanks Aaron. um but yeah you know I'm, I'm really happy to see you over the years just like using nanome for you know your research and and you know progressing this particular field of of biochemistry um as well as how you're using it to teach your students i, I think that that's just you know wonderful you've been um you know really one of the pioneers that we've seen uh, adopting VR in the classroom for um, this type of chemistry education, and yeah, now there's there's more people. You know, it's Harvard and and uh, Louisiana State. You know, they're doing a lot of uh, you know VR teaching now. Um, but yeah, you know, back in super early prototype days, you were already buying you know, a bunch of laptops and Oculus Rifts and and all that just to you know give your your students this this experience and. Um, actually, Veronica, I'd love to kind of hear from you, um, you know, how your experiences has been with you know, Zorin as a professor and, and using Nanome and how, how, how do you like everything? Well, very impressive. Uh, <laughs> I would be also uh, glad to have something like this in my school, but uh, I'm glad that I can see it here and I can uh, know this program a little bit. It's very, very helpful, and I think that some students might have problems just imagining things in uh, 3D when they have it on paper. This would help them um, understand the chemistry behind uh, much better than without this. Definitely, and yeah, I mean, you could you know bring uh, some quests to to Czech Republic or or something. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're relatively affordable now. Uh, yeah, you know, a few yeah. hundred bucks. So yeah, yeah. hopefully they get VR too. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have to emphasize when you mentioned um, the early progress, uh, I have to uh, mention that UCSD environment, uh, this where I came as a student postdoc, so Department of Pharmacology, and early chair of both that department and school of pharmacy, uh, Professor Palmer Taylor, his uh, actually uh, uh, support uh, in this kind of research was really cr critical and encouragement. So even though it, it was uh, early on, but uh, he was always uh, supportive of uh, investigating structural basis for action of uh, drugs and uh, uh, that that's how we were e enabled to proceed awesome yeah I've, I've heard his name a lot um but i don't think i've met him but yeah great things like really uh you know renowned scientists in this field yeah, thanks, Soren, for, for joining and, you know, highlighting uh, some of your work in VR and sort of talking about your experiences. I uh, hope that, you know, people enjoy this, you know, whether they're at home or in VR or on YouTube, uh, wherever this may end up. 